So I was like, oh, pageants like sound like a good idea to maybe gain some more networking or gain some exposure for Charities Angels. While I'm still in school, I've only really been pursuing pageants for the past three years. And fortunately, I've held a title as well for the past three years. With Charities Angels and the Kidney Project at the forefront, I think that's why I have been so successful. Welcome to the Interesting People podcast. Today, I'm talking to Adriana David, Miss Maryland 2018. How's it going? Hello. It is going great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Fantastic. So how deep into your, uh, is it rain, term? What's the term? <laughs> so we have a full year term. So what is it? February 1st today? Yeah, it is February 1st. Ah, did you say rabbit, rabbit, rabbit this morning? No. Oh, you've never heard that? Is that why it snowed? Oh, well, sure. I mean, we can blame it on that, too. But no, I don't remember. I think it was my best friend in elementary school. She said on the first day of every month, for good luck, the first thing you're supposed to say is rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. Oh, man. So now you can maybe carry that on. Shout out to Megan Cotter. I'll have a better March, (laughs) thanks to you. Yes, perfect. So yeah, so today's February. So I will be done in June. I was crowned in June this past summer, and I'm in the middle of my year. I competed at Miss America in September. And now I'm home living out my second half of my term. I always like to get this out of the way first. Are you aiming for another crown, another sash? For me, I think this is done. I actually am one of three women in the state of Maryland that hold both the Miss Maryland USA title and the Miss Maryland America title. I am the only woman who has ever held them back to back. So last year I was actually Miss Maryland USA 2017, and now I'm Miss Maryland 2018, which is the prelim to Miss America. Those feed into different bigger pageants, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. It's just like a different company. Miss Universe Organization, which owns Miss USA, is the organization that was formerly owned by Donald Trump. And then the Miss America Scholarship Organization is actually a nonprofit organization. So they're just two completely different things. You can sign up for them separately. They each have different rules. But the main thing that sets them apart is that Miss America is a scholarship organization. We are actually the number one scholarship provider for young women in the world. And a lot of people don't realize that just by competing at any local title or any state title in the Miss America Scholarship Organization, each candidate is given $500 toward their education just by competing. So me winning this year... I was awarded ultimately now I think it tallies up to something around $17,000 towards my scholarship education and I'm excited to say that I'm now going to graduate debt free from college so it has been a really big blessing in terms of the differences between the organizations. The exposure is obviously great in both but they do have different goals and intentions. One of the things that I think unites every kind of pageant is the platform aspect to Mm -hmm. it. Did you carry the same platform through both? That's actually the reason I initially started pageantry. My mom and I co-founded Charities Angels. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization in Montgomery County primarily, but we are now doing events in D.C. and other areas of Maryland and Northern Virginia as well. We're a group of women and we throw events and fundraisers and we volunteer as a group for other charities that are close to our hearts in our local communities. Just Wednesday, we were at the Shepherd's Table in Silver Spring Soup Kitchen handing out food for the homeless and we'll go as a group to volunteer. But then we also throw our own events that are fully produced by us. For example, we have an event every fall called Sinners and Saints. It's a Halloween party. Each year it benefits a different cause of one of our friends or ourselves that are close to our hearts. And we started Charities Angels in honor of my cousin, Juliana, and she actually had the autoimmune disease lupus, but that affected her kidneys and then her kidneys failed. So the first organization Charities Angels raised money for is a research project called the Kidney Project at the University of California, San Francisco. In their bioengineering and therapeutic sciences department, they are developing a bioartificial kidney that will replace dialysis and save millions of people. It'll be the size of a coffee cup and they'll just cut the incision in your abdomen and it'll implant right inside of your body and function as a normal kidney. 
And this is so essential because the only treatment right now for chronic kidney disease or anyone with organ failure for that matter is dialysis. When your kidneys aren't functioning, they cannot process any of the fluid in your body. So your blood, your urine, anything. So you go to dialysis four days a week and you sit there for six hours while all of the fluids are pumped out, cleaned, and then pumped back into your body. This process is so detrimental to the quality of life of many, many people. And it's something that people don't really realize because 12 people die a day waiting for a kidney. And the average person living on dialysis is only three years. So somehow in this world, my cousin has been living 12 years on dialysis. So she's a miracle because the average person only lives three. But she wants to be a part of these human trials to get this kidney on the market so that she can hopefully live. There's like a crowdfunding effort for her? Yes. Charities Angels, we do a crowdfunding effort every single year called the Juliana's Hope Campaign. And you can make your donations to www.charitiesangels.org slash donate. How did you guys discover the kidney thing? So Dr. Shuvo Roy has been the leading research doctor on this technology. And my cousin really, we were just like, what can we do? Like, how do we help you? Really? Because she had a transplant back in 2010, but her body rejected it. She now has three kidneys inside of her because they couldn't remove the other two because her other organ was blocking it. So we were like, what could we possibly do? If Is it research? Is there a cure? So she just started Googling and going on a lot of the kidney blogs. Organ failure does not discriminate. You do not have to be a certain age to have organ failure, not a certain illness, people with diabetes, cancer. Growing up, old age, people, your organs just fail. So there are so many people that are in need of a device like this. But dialysis is the number one medical technology that makes the most money in the field. So for Charities Angels, we've sort of just been the wheels for our efforts for the Kidney Project. And then when I started pageantry, I was like, not only do we raise money for the Kidney Project every year, we do tons of events locally and co-sponsorships for other organizations in our area, like FutureLink, Washington School for Girls, Happy Helpers for the Homeless, Foundation to Fight HABC, Operation Gratitude, the USO, DC metro area. We do all of this work for other organizations in our area as well. So we're always looking for other organizations locally to support. So I was like, oh, pageants like sound like a good idea to maybe gain some more networking or gain some exposure for Charities Angels. And kind of while I'm still in school before I want to take off and pursue the entertainment industry, maybe I can get some exposure and build my resume in that way too. So I've only really been pursuing pageants for the past three years. And fortunately, I've held a title as well for the past three years. With Charities Angels and the Kidney Project at the forefront, I think that's why I have been so successful. With the pageantry exposure and the platform, I've been able to gain a lot more outreach and kind of put us on the map in the Mid-Atlantic. Hopefully, in my eyes, (laughs) being on the Miss America and Miss USA stage talking about it helped too. So I would like to say we're maybe on the national map, (laughs) but we're definitely on the Mid-Atlantic map. That's for sure. And my dream, my goal, as well as being a full-time creative and an actor would to also be a full-time philanthropist and have Charities Angels be a national organization where you could open a chapter in any state of women, kind of like a sorority. So there could be Charities Angels New York, Charities Angels Philly, or wherever you can open your own chapter of Charities Angels where you can just party with a purpose. That's how we started Charities Angels. We came up with what could we do to benefit our community that we already knew how to do, that we wouldn't have to go out of the way to like figure something out. And we were like, well, we love hosting parties. We love gathering our community and spending time with our friends and family. So why not just have people donate $5 when they come to our house for the chili party every year? So we came up with party with a purpose. And that would be my goal just to have everyone who's already partying for their birthday for whatever reason to just have out. Let's get a donation and donate it to a cause that's close to your heart. For example, one of our other members is an interior designer. 
Mary Strip Matter on our board. So she does this special project within Charities Angels called The Dream Room, where she will donate her time and her funding, specifically whether or not we as a group raise money for it. But she will go and renovate younger children's rooms completely free because they've never had a cute bed or a cute rug in their room or just less fortunate children in our area. She will go and spend her full time to renovate a little kid's room for their birthday or a holiday. So we, through Charities Angels, have just kind of been able to stamp Charities Angels on whatever you want to do. My mom's friends have kids and we'll get them all over and we'll get them to wrap Christmas presents for community service hours for elementary school kids. These kids are being taught that they have to do it, but it's not always fun. So we wanted it to also be a way where we could all together have friendship and inclusivity while doing community service. So you said 2011 is when you started. You were still cheerleading back then, right? I was. I was. I was a competitive cheerleader for 13 years. I finished on the Maryland Twisters F5. And in 2011, I won gold at the USASF IASF Cheerleading World Championships in Orlando, Florida. And then in 2012, my last year, I placed silver as well. I was at the University of Alabama on a full ride scholarship with the intention of having a full ride scholarship yeah. for two years. And I had my Tommy John surgery on my elbow right here. Oh. And that rehab was 16 months long. So Alabama did agree to allow me to have my surgery through the athletic department. So I had my rehab for 16 months. They took a part of my hamstring out of my leg, put it into my elbow. The whole nine yards, I was, I can't even believe I actually survived that first semester of college because we didn't know how extreme the surgery was going to be. But it was honestly the most, I don't know, I guess identifying experience I would have of self-identity in terms of finding what my purpose actually is in life because I used to identify as an athlete and that was what I knew I was good at, and that's what I grew up doing. That's what everybody knew me as. I was American Cheerleader Magazine's 2011 Cheerleader of the Year. So Adriana and cheerleading were just like it. And once that was gone and once my body was taken from me, I was sort of like, God, what's going on? Like, what, what, what is my bigger – do I have a bigger purpose? And from there, it was when I – had a random friend reach out to me who was living in Los Angeles and asked if I had ever considered like moving out there. She had an open room for the summer. And I was like, well, you know, I just lost my scholarship opportunities in Alabama. So yeah, I'll come to LA. Why not? <laughs> but <laughs> I had always grown up in musical theater and I sang choir K through 12 throughout my parochial school. So I was already very much interested in the entertainment industry. I just had never really done much on camera other than modeling for cheerleading catalogs. So I was like, okay, why not? So I went over there and I tried to transfer to a school there because I had that two years of education. I didn't want it to go to waste. So unfortunately, the schools in California would not take my credits. So I stayed there for about nine months, kind of like trying to see if I could figure it out. But at the end of the day, I really do value education. So I ultimately transferred back to Maryland, where now, just a couple months ago, I graduated with a bachelor's in theater and a bachelor's in communication studies from the University of Maryland in College Park. You did some stage acting with the Olney Theater Group, right? Yes, I have. So I grew up doing musical theater, like I had mentioned, and I went to St. Peter's in Olney. So the Olney Theater we would partner with a lot growing up because it was right there in Olney. I was Ada Wanny in Oklahoma in the historic theater, as well as Tiger Lily and Peter Pan in the historic theater as well. So it was a lot of fun back then. Those are like the best pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got to wonder, so you actually, you're the second guest I've ever had that has an IMDb page with stuff on it. Yeah, well, that's that's flattering. <laughs> so as someone on the East Coast, how did you get on? You were on uh, Thou Shalt Not and Who Killed Jane Doe, among some right. other things as well. Yes. So I have been pursuing the entertainment industry since my injury back in 2012, professionally, I should say. And through that, I have been managed by Linda Townsend Management in the Washington, D.C. area. She reps a lot of kids in the area, but as well as athletes, musicians, just 
talent across the board. So I was connected with her back in high school when I had mentioned I modeled for cheerleading catalogs. My mom, she was like, um, what are these photo shoots you're talking about? I'm not sending my 16-year-old. So she kind of got a manager in place for me to figure out what was professional work and what was not. From there, I went to L.A. and I did some on-camera classes and I started self-submitting on like castingnetworks.com and backstage.com and stuff like that. Just kind of dipping my feet in the pool. Once I transferred back to Maryland, I did declare a full bachelor's in theater. Originally, I was aiming more towards telecom and broadcasting at Alabama. But when I transferred to Maryland, they didn't have that specific degree. So they cut half my credits to general comm and half to theater. And then I lived in New York City for two summers in the dorm rooms at NYU. Hey, shout out to any college kid that wants to do an internship in New York City. Go to NYU Housing in like January and you can sign up for any of the dorm rooms that are open that are not being used by the internships on Wall Street. Oh, so really? then you get an, a literal apartment in New York City for the whole summer for like $2,000 for the whole summer. And that would normally be like $2,000 a month <laughs> if you were just trying to find an apartment. <laughs> so yeah, so that's always like my side secret whenever I see anybody that wants to pursue a summer and they're in their education, like college education. I'm like, make sure to look up NYU Housing because it's a secret. And then I started auditioning there and I started freelancing with agencies there to then just provide more education for me to know kind of how to book myself. But in the D.C. Mid-Atlantic area, we have a location of Discovery in Silver Spring, as well as different casting agencies. A lot of it's on Facebook now, which is kind of crazy. And Instagram, a lot of the castings are kind of pushed that way other than Actors Access and Casting Networks and the original kind of websites that post castings. But it's kind of hard in this area because there aren't as many representation agencies at all. So when you're just kind of building your book, I would say I am pursuing both as an actor and a model. I do a lot of print and commercial work as well. So I would see castings online on castingnetworks.com that were in New York tomorrow at 11 a.m. And I would get on a bus and <laughs> ride up to 11 a.m. And I would submit on the internet that night and I would ride up, pay $3 or whatever the fee was. Because when you don't have an agent and you're self-submitting, you have to pay for the agency fee online through for the website to run. So you'd pay your $3 online and then ride up a bus and then sit there and there'd be 100 people at the GNC casting. This is like the best casting I ever did. Obviously, I'm giving away the story now. But you'd wait in line <laughs> and then you do your little audition and it's five minutes long and then you just get on the bus and come back home to Maryland. And I was doing that probably four days a week before I transferred to University of Maryland. I went to Montgomery College part-time for a little bit before I transferred right after I came back from LA. And I was half of my week, I was busing up and down to and from New York. And out of some 47 times, I booked three jobs. And a lot of people don't realize that the grind as an actor comes from actually going, finding the things yourself, and then actually trying and doing them and spending a lot of money in the process to hope that one day you can book the gig. And fortunately... Once you start booking things, then you meet more people. And then I've been able to build my credits in this area kind of based on how my experience was when I did finally book that one job. Like getting the job on Thou Shalt Not came from me working an episode on Discovery ID called Who Killed Jane Doe. So the director from that episode emailed me and was like, hey, are you available for this thing? Because he was doing another show. So a lot of success in this area comes from networking once you're sort of like in it and attempting to do it. You're technically in an episode of Veep. Yes, I am. I was an extra. That's the other thing. If any movie comes downtown to the Washington, D.C. area, which I am from Montgomery County, Maryland, so I'm closer to Washington, D.C. than some other people in Maryland are, they will post on social media or once you meet, I always make sure if I ever meet anyone in the entertainment industry to connect with them on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter because even though they don't immediately send it to you, 
you see what your friends like on other things. So once I started becoming friends with all these actors, things started popping up on my newsfeed because they were liking other auditions and stuff like that. So a huge thing about social media is just even connecting with someone. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm afraid to like ask them if they want to follow me. And I'm like, just follow them so you can see what they're doing, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because that's really a lot of what it is. But yeah, so I was a motorcycle chick in a Latin motorcycle gang in an episode of Veep in downtown DC. And that was really fun. So I had fun looking at your resume. You Mm -hmm. list a variety of accents. Is that something that came out of the Yes. So I did sort of have a lot. I didn't, I don't, I think it's uncredited because I didn't speak a line in the actual episode, but it's funny how production works because I was an extra on the movie Snowden as well, which is the Edward Snowden. Like female face. Yeah. So that female face, I was paid as a supporting role. So my check was rather large, but they didn't use any of my scene. I thought I was going to have this like awesome speaking role in the movie and my check was really awesome as well. But then I the movie came out and they cut the scene. Oh, no. So it's sort of this thing that you never actually know if you'll be in there, but you still get paid. You still have the same rights and yeah. everything is st- when it's a big production like that. But it's funny because now I just kind of stop telling people what I'm in because I don't want them to go look in the scene be cut or something. <laughs> So, so you never know how it's going to play out. But in terms of my accents and dialects, that is training that I had that I'm able to put on my resume. So if I did go into an audition, I do have the experience to be able to provide an authentic accent in one of the ones on my resume. You had uh, an interesting mix of like UK accents. Yeah. So in the accents and dialects class I took, we definitely had a focus in European language. I have RP, the standard British accent, and then Cockney, which is more of the urban street Mm -hmm. accent, as well. Australian is in there just because that aligns so much with the UK. Sometimes that accent and dialect sounds the same. Then Irish and Scottish. I can't tell you that I'm like amazing at all of them right now, but it is there to provide the knowledge to whoever's casting me that I do have the foundation that I can play the role Mm -hmm. um, upon rehearsal. Especially if it's like a one or two line character. Oh, of course. So super easy, which is usually more in the TV commercial realm. Then stage actors, they have the huge process of rehearsal leading up to the live performances. So that's where they'll really critique your accents and dialects. Is blocking for keeping the audience in mind harder for, or what about this camera blocking or multiple camera? Yeah, so I think the most difficult thing about on camera that is not translated when you work as a stage actor is the amount of takes that you have to do and the amount of camera angles and the amount of times. So, for example, a crying scene where it's me and say you're my brother and I'm really mad at you in a scene. We're sitting across this table right now and I'm looking at you in the eyes and I'm supposed to be crying and you're just silent. There would be a camera behind you looking at me, getting me crying. Then they would stop. We'd have to redo the scene. Another camera would come behind me to look at you, redo the whole scene for your reactions. Then they would want an overhead from the top of the ceiling Mm. looking down on us. Then they would want one from the doorway (laughs) all the way over there. So you're doing the crying scene ultimately 12 times. Where as an actor on stage, if there's a crying moment, it lasts max five minutes. But having to film 12 scenes of the same script and dialogue to then be edited can take up to five hours. So then you're sitting there like, oh, my gosh, they used fake tears on set. And you're like, no, but could you cry for seven hours? (laughs) So it's sort of like it puts it more into, I think, more of a business like scheduled process instead of on stage you're kind of like in the moment emotional you're experiencing it for the first time and then it disappears on camera you have the reciprocity of the repetitive nature as well as being able to get the shot no matter what yeah and except for it to disappear someone has proper coverage that's honestly also one of my favorite parts because i can get so detailed because the camera picks up on everything 
for me, I never had a problem being heard on stage because I am loud naturally, as you can tell. <laughs> but in terms of facial features and details of like small moments, it's a lot harder to grasp because you're looking at a huge room of hundreds of people in a, an arena or a stage, whereas the camera can be right up to my face and see literally if I just like blink. And most of your work has been like modern era kind of stuff. Would you like to do a period piece thing? Oh, I would love it. My dream is to do... Something like Downton Abbey, a mix also with like Supernatural. I want to do sci-fi or like I love the vampire stuff or the werewolf stuff or magic. And then I would also absolutely love for it to also be 300 years ago. (laughs) So like a mix of both. So like a period piece and a magical sci-fi illusion The Duchess who's dating a werewolf. Right. Something like that. I think that would be the (laughs) most fun costumes. (laughs) You brought up social media is involved in acting. Mm-hmm. We're, we're getting filmed right now, which I have to imagine will be, end up on Facebook. Yes, we, this will be on YouTube. Hey, YouTubers, love y'all. So how has, I mean, you, you got into the pageant scene relatively recently, but how do you think social media has changed all this kind of stuff? As an actor and a performer, independent contractor, however you want to describe yourself, I love the word creative. Social media is coming into play because now agencies and even castings are asking how many followers you have Mm. and what kind of audience you're bringing to the table. Because there are YouTubers now that have a million subscribers. So why not just pick him to say the two lines? Because 20 million people will watch him now versus me, who has spent six years developing not only my degree and piece of paper that I earned, but also my craft for years and years since I've been doing this since elementary school. It's not taking the art away, but it's making artists be forced to now have a relationship with social media that wasn't always necessary before because now other people are essentially taking our jobs because of their social media. So that's been a crazy relationship, especially with me. And pageantry has obviously helped that along the way. Not only was I thinking about Charities Angels and the Kidney Project, but this has also provided me with more exposure on a local level, on a mid-Atlantic level. And then luckily I've been able to travel nationally as well for the Kidney Project and pageantry. So I've been able to sort of get a larger platform of an audience. And that's what I'm working on now, actually, is finding agencies that are are located in both New York and L.A. that are looking for me as an actor and not necessarily as Miss Maryland. It's a really interesting Mm. thing because now that I am Miss Maryland, it's like, oh, I have this following from Miss Maryland, but I am an actor. So will the following from Miss Maryland want to follow me for entertainment? And is it even enough of a following for entertainment now for me to get booked? Because some of these YouTubers are just posting them like brushing their teeth and getting (laughs) advertisements from Coca-Cola, like partnerships. So it's really interesting the differences, but I really encourage everyone to use it, even though it seems tedious and it seems non-social. You can still build your soft skills and be as personable in person if you use social media as an advantage. A lot of people think staring at their phone and posting pictures is what social media is, but the amount of interactivity and engagement you can do now with live feed videos, stories. I always say like, don't just look at my photos. Please watch my highlights because when you watch my story, when you watch my highlights, you can actually hear me talk and see my personality on a regular basis whereas the grid photos just kind of look like, oh yeah, these are her best moments. The highlight reel is what I think the kind of feed is. And then if you watch someone's stories, you can kind of get a real glimpse. So for me to hear people that are like, oh, I don't, it's superficial. It's You have access now to make it less superficial than it used to be. Because it keeps growing and they keep adding new features. You can take polls and ask questions and they're really allowing businesses to be successful on the internet too. And I think it's a really awesome tool that we all have to use and we have to be ready to use it because the people who ignore it will not be as successful as the people who aren't <laughs> ignoring it, obviously. So it's definitely a struggle, but... 
It's, it's important. Thing. Is there anything, any kind of video or any kind of content, or is there something you've done? Because I saw that you did the polar bear plunge recently. Yes, yes. You probably would have done that anyway because it's a good yes, cause. Yes. Has there been something you've done because you're like, oh, that'll make a great video or that'll make a great this? So not yet. <laughs> this is something. So I have been told in the past, like, oh, you should make a YouTube. You should make a YouTube. And I was like, well, yeah, but I don't know how to do it. I'm an actor. I'm a creative. I love being in front of the camera, but I am not going to botch and chop up some computer application that I don't know how to use and then the video will be bad and I'll just look funny. So I'm fortunate to be working with a lot of people in the industry. You can follow at the wink, T-H-E-W-N-K, who produces and edits all of my video footage because I'm trying to right now build a team of collaborative people that can all use our efforts together to become successful. Whereas some people want to be the one man wonder and you can just do it all yourself. I know that I'm not capable of running any sort of professional camera by myself. (laughs) So I'm in the process of really building a team that can produce professional quality content together to be successful instead of because you end up paying for all of it and then it becomes expensive and you can't run a business about yourself when you don't make any money anyway. So (laughs) it's like (laughs) it's, it's hard. But pageantry has now provided me events as Miss Marilyn. I am booked as an ambassador of the state of Maryland. And so I travel making appearances. So when I met TK, the wink, he was like, I'm always looking for people who have things to do because it's hard being a YouTuber and not coming up with ideas. Like, what's a good video? What's a good video? I was already cutting ribbons at Wawa and doing the polar bear plunge. So he was like, this is a great opportunity to collaborate and now give you something that is tangible and searchable. So in terms of identity, so I had a real weird moment earlier this year. Mm-hmm. So I've I've interviewed past pageant winners. Yeah. And then I had this really weird moment when all of the reins changed and then I was following their, their social media pages. <laughs> and it's not them and anymore. And it's different faces. And I don't know. So the cachet you've built right now with your page, the right. Miss Maryland page, is that actually your page or is that their account? Yeah, that's also sort of this strange experience because I now run my own personal account as well as the official account for the organization. It is my duty for the job to build our organization page. Mm -hmm. So you can follow at Miss America MD on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook to find our organization's page. And that is my job this year to focus on. But since I am pursuing the entertainment industry, I think for other women who are pursuing different fields like STEM or law or medicine, they don't really necessarily need the following that they could gain from this experience. Anyone could, but not as much as I sort of am trying to do. So for me, I've definitely tried to cross market all of my content to drive my following to both my personal and my official. It's funny, actually, now that it's been half of the year, I think on the official, I've gone from 3,000 to 8,000 followers which is the most I've ever grown any account working in social media. But it's funny because my personal account only grew one or 2,000 because it was just new from that. So it's kind of been hard because I know how to target a business, but for myself and my personality and my own Instagram, it's kind of hard to gain a following and Mm -hmm. gain an audience. And I don't want it to ever be superficial. So I can say I know kind of how social media works because I can run successfully the official page. But in terms of my own personal social media, it's way more confusing and I have a much harder time. Also, through my contract, I'm required to post on all platforms up to two, three times a day. Oh, so, that's fascinating. Yeah. So I my job is to be present on the Internet. So that's why I've been like tagging my both of them so I can like repost or retweet or reshare. So I don't have to actually be producing on every single medium. And then on Instagram, you can toggle Facebook and Twitter. So then once you post on Instagram, it posts on all three and Tumblr and Pinterest. So the social media phenomena is so broad. Yeah. 
So I've been trying to use as much as I can without oversaturating my personal because those are my friends and family, too. Yeah. Like, I don't want them to think that I'm like this arrogant, narcissistic person anymore, but yeah. it's sort of my job. So it's definitely a hard balance. When you were on vacation, you're probably not on vacation. You still need to think. No, yeah, no, definitely. That's what I say. The grid is the <laughs> highlight reel. Like, if I go on vacation, there's definitely going to be like three weeks of me posting about the vacation, even though I definitely was not on vacation for three <laughs> weeks. That's why I say, if you see my story, I always post what I'm doing on that day because I'm still required to be on the internet every day. Yeah. So if you follow me for enough time, you can kind of realize that the feed, the grid photos aren't always matching up to the daily posts. So here's a question. <laughs> what happens when you're sick? Ooh. Have you had to deal with that yet? Yeah, so that's the greatest thing about sponsors and yeah. partnerships because a lot of times when I'll have a photo shoot, we'll take like 500 photos with a bunch of different things. So on the days that I'm like not feeling well, I sort of save in my drafts some posts that I sort of have on the back burner yeah. so I can just post on days where I'm not really prepared. I also have implemented a, I call it the daily dose of dad on my official Instagram. Huh. And for me, I always try and share love and life to the world through messaging, not only because I'm a communications major, but I also was raised in a strong Christian family. But I know that not everybody has to believe in the same God as me. I just want to share positivity, love and light. So I put a in the center of my Instagram on the Miss America MD official page, I put a daily inspirational quote every day. So I always have at least some positive message going out to the people that follow Miss America Maryland. You probably caught someone at a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. And it's also good because people will that I'll always try to like engage with them as well and comment back and see if they're feeling the same way. Or just the other day, I mentioned something about the snow and a bunch of people were excited about the snow and having the school day off. It's so funny interacting with elementary school kids on the internet oh. it is nuts i do a lot of school visits yeah. right so i go to all these elementary schools and just at st mary's in rockville and all these kids find me on the internet after and they're like i oh my gosh thank you so much for coming to school and seeing me like please like my pictures and i'm like of course <laughs> like you guys are so cool and i'm so happy that i can at least have a conversation with them because who knows what they're following these days Definitely. like and just to actually see them immediately come running to see what my social media looks like definitely provides me with more pressure of putting out respectable content well being a positive as you mentioned not to sound like an ancient old man, but right. YouTubers, the very popular ones, are very irresponsible oh, yeah. role models. So giving kids a chance to see some of the right. positive things can be kind of good. Yeah, it's really hard because there's such a blurred line with what is right, how old do you have to be, if it's legal in some state and it's not in other states, if oh. your parents have different rules than other people's parents, if your religion affiliation monitors what you do making mm -hmm. your daily decisions. I think what I try to monitor is if my grandmother would not want to see it, I probably shouldn't post it. <laughs> Same thing goes for my dad. I mean, I've learned very, very toughly because I also have a very honest family. I think people holding you accountable is one of the most important things that I have been given throughout this experience and will also benefit me in my future of pursuing the entertainment industry. If you don't have the people to hold you accountable and keep you grounded in what you believe in, then sometimes people get lost. Like you say, some of those kids just get lost because then they get so successful and they're given all of these things and more brand deals and more money. And then they kind of just like don't really have the direction and they're not even listening to probably the authority figures because who are they to them? They're better now. So I just always definitely listen to your parents. <laughs> That's yeah. one thing. Like there have there have been times when I have to ask, like, is this too much? Is this is mm -hmm. this not respectful? Would someone be offended by this? And I think just always making sure to remind yourself that it's not only you and yeah. it's not only your best friend and it's not only your boyfriend looking at the picture.
it's open and available to everyone. Living the life where you're extremely Googleable. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Google is a crazy thing. I got to ask, I was looking at your website, some of the print stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I do have some questions mentally about this. Yeah, so sure. You've been on BestBuy.com being received a gift. <laughs> yes. Was that just like a random, like they took hundreds yeah, of pictures so, and they just used that? Yeah, but I had no idea. I didn't even get to see any of the photos. So if you do smaller local jobs, usually sometimes I shoot with a local boutique, you'll be there hands-on with a photographer. They can show you someone you're there maybe you'll get his email and they'll email you so my agent probably sent me an email I bust up to New York City that was a New York City job I bust up to New York City met them at a hotel at like four in the morning a production van was there and all of the actors met at that one hotel then we were all driven up to upstate New York like two hours in a car randomly showed up to this beautiful mansion in like the (laughs) middle of nowhere that I'm guessing the locations manager booked found a family to donate their house for the day for money and then when we got there there were all these vans outside and the stylist with all the wardrobe was already set up in the living room and the kitchen was already being gaffed by all the production people and we were just sitting in the van getting hair and makeup done and then it was so crazy because it was there were so many people there it was I was like this is gonna be literally on the website like why are so many people here because I'd never been on a budget (laughs) set that was this large before and my boyfriend is the one who was giving me the best buy gift in the oh, photo. Really? It's like it, it, it wasn't my real boyfriend, <laughs> yeah, but he was boy, the actor really. boyfriend. Not my. I was. I'm still single. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I had to clarify because on the podcast you, you did the air quotes. Oh thing. yes, I did air quotes. So yeah, no, my boyfriend <laughs> air quote in the commercial. I never met his name was Nick. He was super nice. We met literally three minutes before we sat on the couch together, and then the couch session of photos of him handing me the red present from Best Buy <laughs> literally took 30 minutes max. They, yeah. they were like, okay, laugh now. Okay, now hug. Okay, now hand it to him. And then we did all the things just like we were told. And they're like, okay, that's a wrap. You guys are good. And I was like, I just got paid so much money for 30 minutes. <laughs> but, and so, so then, unfortunately, because it was such a professional set, the only photo I ever got back was the screenshot I took on my computer, because when it gets to be that massively corporate they're all just hiring independent contractors and then the one production manager so weirder question which i only want to ask solely because this is a fun sentence to say Mm -hmm. whose baby was that (laughs) they hire babies and they actually (laughs) hired three they hired three babies for my toys r us (laughs) advertisement and it was so funny because i am lebanese and mexican Mm -hmm. and bass so spanish and mexican and Lebanese, and all three of the babies were different ethnicities yeah. that I was being cast with. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like literally one was a little Hispanic baby, one was someone from the Middle East, and then one was actually mixed African-American and white. And so I was like, wow, I guess I really am ethnically ambiguous yeah. because I have three different children that are all three different races. And it, I mean, they were just babies, so it yeah. really wasn't identifiable. But it was it was definitely a new experience. Did you enter that casting thing as like as a mom, or did you enter this casting thing and then find so out, oh, you're Toys R Us and Babies R Us thing, I I went to a mom casting. So I didn't know what it actually would be until I showed up, which commercial or which product they were selling. The one for when I had the baby, it was um, selling a blanket that was like on the baby. We were laying both laying down on a bed and there was a blanket on top of the baby and it was for the company for the blanket. Gotcha. That was what we were selling (laughs) as I'm like holding this child. But there are also child wranglers. So there'll be a person on the set that has like baby toys, like like the (laughs) stand-in mom, basically. So they're like by the camera, like, cuckoo, gaga, gazee, like just like literally like squeezing all these toys and like floating feathers and like I'm just trying to make sure the baby doesn't cry like and smile at the same time and look like a Toys R Us mom. So it's fun. It's also got to be kind of fun because half of your gallery are also like leg and feet photos. Yes, like whenever you do shoes, it's yeah. like, oh, I, you don't have to worry about what your face looks like because all they're going to take photos is your feet and your legs. So yeah, it's really interesting. 
The difference between pageantry that has been so interesting is when I get to take photos, I get to decide what I look like. Like, mm. it's Adriana taking the photos, not a client telling them what they want me to look like. And now I actually have a lot of really amazing relationships with makeup artists because they're like, you're the best. You let us do whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's because I've been working in this industry, I think. And I'm not thinking like, oh, I'm Adriana. I want my winged eyeliner a certain way. But yeah, no, being in the industry has definitely helped um, being available to new creative ideas. So I had fun looking at some of your pictures. You had your like before and after in one picture. You have a cookie after the yes. USA. You have a piece of pizza in the uh, Miss Maryland one. Yes. If you had entered another pageant in one, what oh would have been in your mouth? Oh my gosh, that's such a good thing. Okay, so both of those pictures were taken at my final. So the first one with the cookie is at Miss USA and the second one with the pizza is at Miss America. And both of those things were provided to us. So I was sort of in a confined area where I only had cookies and I only had pizzas <laughs> as my options. So probably if I could choose, it would definitely be a taco. There we go. Oh, yeah. Taco Bell, cheesy gordita crunch with my Mountain Dew Baja Blast. That's what it would be. (laughs) (laughs) I have it on the dot ready for you. So I don't know what competition that'll be, but maybe Uh, one day. Someone prep up the tacos. (laughs) I know. (laughs) That would be so funny. Oh, that's too much fun. (laughs) And I got to ask you my my, uh, little extra thing here. You had a, and I can see with your fingernails, you listed glitter as your favorite color. It is. It is. That is just something that I guess I started coining maybe back when I was in middle school mm-hmm. I just everybody would always ask me what color I wanted and I'd be like as long as it sparkled as long as it was sparkly like, I love shiny <laughs> things I also get distracted super easily and like anything that glitters I'm like oh my gosh what's that so it just sort of became something I said and it couldn't be more honest and if you look at my closet it, like if you know me and you hang out with me if you get in my car, you'll leave somehow glittery or shiny or with you a rhinestone find- everywhere from competitive cheerleading and then costumes and theater and then pageantry and acting and modeling. You're bound to leave with a little bit of sparkle. I guess I got to ask you that. What's your, your dream like play role or character? I would absolutely love to be a episodic actor in a TV series. Oh, cool. So it would be my dream and obviously financially success dream would be able to be in a TV series. Like be like a main character on a USA show. Exactly. Like Ellen Pompeo and Grey's Anatomy. But I want to do everything. I am sort of creative that I love fine arts. I do a lot of drawing and charcoal and watercolor and I have a focus in scenic painting as well in theater. And then I also love improv and comedy and on camera and off camera and still I I don't know. I love photography and now videography and <laughs> production and radio and broadcasting. So I really want to be everywhere. I always said if I didn't end up on TV dramatically, I would probably use my focus in broadcasting or gotcha. TV personality or hosting or radio or something That's like right. that. That's the correct level of energy. You yeah, need yeah. Point. And all of these, I have a lot of <laughs> a lot of arms going in different directions. I kind of am in the process of narrowing it down. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I thank you so much. Every interview with the exact same question. This is as broad okay. as you want it to be or as minimal as you want to be. What are you excited about? What are you looking forward to? Ooh, I'm really looking forward to the next three years. I always seem kind of funny giving myself timelines like that, but I've kind of learned to live my life in seasons and sort of chapters. I like doing certain things like pageantry, cheerleading, Charities Angels, The Kidney Project. I I really like giving myself boundaries to then be super successful and kind of gauge the next stage of my life. I definitely want a family in the future, but not really anytime soon. But I am so excited for that chapter as well. But the next three years, I think, are really going to be change 
and excitement and different locations. I'm really interested in looking out in LA, back in New York City, and I also potentially am going into pharmaceuticals in Las Vegas. So I'm just really excited for what's to come and absolutely always remembering that the kidney project and getting this bioartificial kidney on the market through Charities Angels for my cousin, getting that to be able to come into fruition would be my main goal as well. Well, fantastic. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is so fun. Love y'all. Follow me at Adriana C. David and Charities Angels and at Miss America MD. Fantastic. We'll have all that tagged in the description.